Hi, I'm Sarah Goodall, wife, mum, and marketing obsessed business owner. Welcome to my Campfire Chat series. After 20 plus years in B2B marketing roles, I've had the great pleasure to meet and work with some fascinating folks. People who've inspired or challenged me to think differently about social business, advocacy, and digital leadership. I figured it was time to share their stories and insights in a series of short, punchy podcast chats. Today, I'm talking to Kirsten Voileau. Now, Kirsten has been part of the digital revolution in the B2B space for at least five years. She's been leading the change at SAP as the global head of digital enablement services. We've worked together for several years. We have kids the same age. She's actually met my kids. And she's just a good, all-round nice person who just gets on with people whilst getting things done. When you have to scale a social selling program to thousands of employees around the world, you have to have a methodology and that is what I'm going to explore today in my campfire chat. Okay, so welcome to the show, Kirsten. Great to have you on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. Great to uh, great to be here. I'm honored to be here with you. Oh, it's wonderful, actually. And as I've done in my intro, there's lots of people that I've met on my journey in my career that, I don't know, they just sort of stick in my mind. People that I just think, oh, I wish I could talk like you, or I wish I could do that, or, you know, and it's just, these are the people that I have invited to have a little campfire chat with me. And you're one oh, of them. Oh, that's so sweet. And where are you based well, then, Kirsty? Tell people where you're based, because you're not local to me are you no no I am Canadian I am outside of Toronto about an hour and a half two hours from downtown near Waterloo I live in a little tiny village called St. Jacobs and St. Jacobs is famous because we have a tourist industry built around the fact that we have a horse and buggy Mennonite and Amish that live in town with us here so I have horse and buggies going by my house all the time I love that when we met not long ago when you came and saw my kids yes. you were telling me all about this weren't you and the community and how you sort of almost like plonked yourself in the middle of it but have embraced <laughs> it and love it how cool I, yeah my my background is very much farm oriented which is a bit odd for the job that I do now but I love the balance that it gives me I you know can go outside I have a fairly large yard it's lots of trees like I said horse and buggies going by all the time kind of really grounds me when it comes mm. to the high-tech world of software that I live in on a daily basis <laughs> I was gonna say yeah it's like your house is grounded in this very traditional sort of village atmosphere but actually what goes on in your house you are digital through and through aren't you having done your digital marketing and but this is why you're on the show right because what inspires me about you is the fact that you've been involved in social selling since it became super popular and a bit of a buzzword I mean how long have you been at it and what have you noticed change over the years since you've been involved in digital selling so I first got involved in social selling back in 2012 I had come back from a maternity leave and was looking for something to do and I got thrown into social media marketing. And at the time, I was also working with some people who were doing some experiments around this new buzzword called social selling. And so at the time, I was a, essentially a business development executive. I was you know, looking at building up business opportunities. And so as I started to get more and more involved in this whole idea of social selling, I was seeing how I could potentially apply it to my business development activities. And so the next year in 2013, I, I started to actually apply it to what I was doing. I never met my call numbers, by the way. <laughs> Once I started using it oh, and I hit 500% of my quota. So then the next year, so 2014, SAP was really going to wrap their hands around this social selling phenomenon and really embrace it. And so I put my hand up and said, I want this. I want to be part of this. And I ended up leading the program in July of 2014. <laughs> 
brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? Talk about carve your own role, but prove yes. and then make the thing work. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I've been thrilled and, and honored to be involved and in leading this program with my partner on the sales side, Phil Lurie, for the last five and a half years. What have I noticed has changed since then? Oh, lots of things. I mean, when we first started in 2012, 2013 with the original version of LinkedIn Sales Navigator, it looked nothing like it does today. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, we were like, wow, this is amazing. But it wasn't even a separate browser. It Did was they really not? I can't remember. No, yeah. it was really like embedded in the product. So it's changed a huge amount, which is one of the major tools that we use. And then at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of being able to share content, right? So there's lots of now tools to be able to curate content and share content out to your networks, have those conversations. What I think has not changed is kind of the main concepts of being a digital seller or social seller, which is, you know, build yourself a good brand, listen. This is one of the things that I think gets missed so often yep. is listen to your customer and then share and engage in the conversation. Those three pieces have never changed. Lots of the things around them have changed and how you apply them in the various tool sets might change, but the basic concepts have not changed. And I think that's something that is one, I'm happy about because it means that I was right from the very beginning that those are the things we need to focus on. But two, it means I'm happy because it means that the ways that we engage with other human beings is still the same, yeah. um, no matter what platform we're using. Yeah, it doesn't go away. I think that bit about listening though is key, isn't it? I think oh, so many so people, important. they build their brand jump into spewing out content what does the jill rowley always say she says you know you show up and you throw up well you're just doing it on a digital <laughs> platform now just yes. listen and start being relevant that's always good too now we've been talking i've asked your colleague the same question actually we've been talking about the same interchangeably digital selling social selling modern selling is it just selling is it not selling at all can you just clear this up for me because i see so many different versions and i know linkedin is kind of shifting the way they talk about it what is your view on the world you've been at this from the start so what's your view well my view is that it's all about building relationships and so selling really doesn't come into it mm -hmm. <laughs> because if you build good relationships people will buy from you no matter what however the nomenclature is important from a an interesting standpoint in that it's the way that people can understand what you're talking about is kind of that common denominator where people understand what you're talking about we within sap call it digital selling because we're using more than just the social platforms to engage with customers and we're training and teaching people how to use more than just the digital platforms or the social platforms. I mean, we also train them on how to um, leverage video and use those tools, you know, mm -hmm. communities and other digital platforms that aren't necessarily social media mm -hmm. platforms. Yeah. Um, so that's how we've evolved over to a digital selling perspective is we use more than just social media to engage. But the selling, the name of selling, people then understand what you're talking about. If I was to call it digital engagement, they're like, what exactly do you mean? Yeah. And yeah. We, we actually did throw around the idea of calling it digital engagement um, oh, yeah. because it was more inclusive and it included both marketing and sales yeah but we also didn't think our organization was ready yet yeah and you've got to speak in a language that sales understands you know it's relevant for them so i suppose you know all the time we're going to have this sales and marketing separation it's a language that they'll probably understand it's funny though we do work with finance industry and the legal industry if you call it and the insurance industry as well if you call it social selling there they will not even entertain it because they just do not do selling in those regulated that's industries. a really good point yes they don't do it they call it relationship development or relationship building or but yeah you mentioned the word selling you're out so interesting I thought so I had another one because you've scaled this program so you've been doing this for five and a half years and in that time you have gone from I don't know a few hundred to 14,000 licenses isn't it something like that we're up to um, 16,000 but 16, yeah 
16. Okay, right, what's the secret then? Because <laughs> you've added a four since I last spoke to you. How are you scaling this? What's the secret? Because there's people listening to this thinking, okay, how did you even do that? What's the secret? Yeah, so we really focused, I mean, at first, I was the one running around the world trying to train everybody. And that, <laughs> my manager quickly said to me, that you can't keep doing that. I don't, one, I don't have the travel budget for you to do that. And two, you're going to burn out really quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, I worked with LinkedIn and we came up with this idea to build up a trainer network, essentially, um, yeah. within a trainer infrastructure within our organization. And I think we started with like 50 people around the world who could deliver training in, in their various locations. And so it minimized the amount of travel budget that was needed. It also was good from a perspective of culture and regional um, flavors that needed to be added. Language was also a really mm-hmm. big piece of that, you know, being able to deliver it in Portuguese, even though some of the, you know, slides stayed the same in terms of, you know, screenshots and that kind of thing in English, being able to speak in Portuguese and deliver that in Portuguese to be able to really get that meaning across instead of somebody trying to translate in their head what you're exactly saying yeah. is, is really important. And so we built it up to, I think, 50 in the first year and 2015 was when we started um, building up this trainer network. And I think we had 50 in that first year. And probably by end of 2017, we had 250. Wow. And how do you identify these people? Do they self-select or are they, are they people that you've noticed that are doing really well because you're looking at the data? How do you do it? No, there tend to be marketing folks. Um, mm-hmm. We would go into a region and say, okay, this is what we want to do, talking to the leadership and saying, you know, this is really important. It brings together marketing and sales. What do you, you know, how do you want to support this? And then they would identify a few people and then, but we wouldn't just take their name list and invite them to a train the trainer program. We had them apply because uh-huh. one of the big things that we discovered early on and as we were doing this, we had a few iterations, <laughs> is that just because you've been nominated to be a trainer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good trainer. Yes. Yes. And so having people that were comfortable in speaking speaking in front of a group of people for one thing, but then also being comfortable speaking in front of sales who are not necessarily the gentlest of folks yeah. um, in their <laughs> feedback. Yeah, yeah. was really important, you know, being able to stand up there and, and take, you know, some pretty pointed feedback mm-hmm. on things that they, you know, were really struggling with from a conceptual point of view was really important. And, you know, being able to speak just in general, yeah. you know, having good speaking skills, having good executive presence, all of those things were really important. And so we went, we took them through an application process. And then when we actually did the trainer trainer program, we had at the graduation of, you know, these people through this program, uh, we actually gave them a level. And there was four different levels and each level was given a kind of a a right to deliver training or not um, or having to work alongside someone or do some more learning or those kinds of things so we were able to kind of filter it out even after we'd done the application process good idea Mm. um, just to make sure that you know what we were putting in front of a sales team because of course that's our reputation that we're putting on the line yeah made sure that you know what we were putting who we were putting in front of a sales team was actually going to be really really powerful and and valuable for that sales team well you've got to have credit you've got to have a bit of credibility you've got to know what you're talking about so in many ways you know you're going to get thrown tough questions you need to know your way around you know the platform for example but I guess you get objections as well and if you don't thoroughly understand the sales process and the kind of issues then you're going to fall flat on your face really you're looking for a special type of person really aren't you so you can't absolutely and yeah we made sure that when we did our training that we never talked about the marketing language of social media that's interesting that was really important because you know reach and impressions means 
means nothing to a sales rep. No, no. Um, but building relationships and having conversations was something that was really important to a sales rep. And so we made sure that the language that we used was very much sales oriented language. It comes back to that whole, you know, the question about digital selling, modern selling, social selling, whatever you want to call it. You know, speaking that common language is really, really important. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, it's the same thing goes for our trainers. Fascinating. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, the, one of the things I love about you, Kirsten, is that you, you're what we call in the UK, steady Eddie, right? You are <laughs> level-headed, reliable, you're rarely phased, you're driven by a mission, you're passionate about your role. What's driving you? Is it gin? Oh, I've got to ask for <laughs> wine. What is it that... <laughs> <laughs> how do you do this because you've got a family and stuff i'm going to ask you about that in a second but you know what is it that you spotted this opportunity in 2014 and you're like yep i'll put my hand up i'm going for that what is it that makes you tick you know that's that's a really interesting question i, I would say probably lots of things wine is definitely one of them oh yeah i was about that's uh, good to know <laughs> Love a good Pinot Grigio. Oh, yeah, very lovely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the fact that I truly have a growth mindset. Yeah. I am always curious. I am always looking to learn new things. And sometimes those things, I mean, you know, I'm open to learning things on a daily basis. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a super intense, you know, course or anything like that. But now I'm looking to learn from my kids what they're doing. I have eight-year-olds twins, girls, and learning new things in grade three all the time. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. And I also have an 18-year-old boy who's spending some time really in woodworking, and I know nothing about woodworking. So I'm interested to learn about what he's doing and how he's upskilling himself in that way. I just truly have that growth mindset. I'm I'm never satisfied as well, is something also. Um, mm. I am never satisfied with the status quo. I'm always looking to improve. How can we do things differently? How can we do it better? How can we do it more efficiently? That has been something that has driven me all through my life. When I went to university and came out, I was, for the first year, I had my degrees in agriculture and animal science, which is completely irrelevant <laughs> to what I do now. But in that first year after graduating university, I was the assistant manager on a horse farm, which meant that I mucked stalls on the weekends instead of during the week. Right. And <laughs> but I, would, I, I approached that with that same growth mindset. How can I do this in such a way that I get it done in a, you know, a more efficient manner, you know, less wastage of of stall bedding, you know, all of those kinds of things. Like even back then, I know I had a growth mindset. I didn't know it at the time, but yeah. that was the way I thought. And now it's serving me very well to still continue to have that growth mindset and yeah. really be curious about everything that's going on around me and always looking to improve myself. Yeah, I love that. And I feel the same actually, because my kids are pretty much the same age as yours, well, my eldest is. And yeah, there's some of the things she comes back, you can learn. You don't have to sit in a classroom to improve your learning. You can go online, you can read books you can mm -hmm. just talk to people you know make conversation and learn from others I think I'm probably similar to you actually it's just a nat natural curiosity or as Elliot calls it nosy <laughs> <laughs> I think I my husband would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, you nosy. You ask too many questions. I'm like, no, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> we talked about your kids. And this is one final question I wanted to ask you about, because obviously I've got three kids as well. But you travel, you work, you're across all time zones. You're in a global role. But what's some of your life hacks for juggling a full-time job? You do work full-time, don't you, I think? I do, yes. Yeah, I and the family. How do you juggle that all, all in one? Well, one of them things is, you know, I took the opportunity to work from home. So my commute is up to sets of stairs to oh, my that's attic a long way yeah you be careful carrying that cup of tea <laughs> oh I've now got a thermos that I have my tea in. oh do you oh that's good <laughs> 
<laughs> so I don't have to go down two flights of stairs every time I need a cup of tea. Yeah, brilliant. Definitely working from home is is something that I absolutely um, would recommend if you can do it because it, it cuts down a lot of the time you have to be away from your kids. I am able to set up my schedule so that, you know, I get the girls ready for school in the morning and watch them walk down the street towards the school. And then I come in and I'm right to work. Like I could sit down on my computer and I'm ready to go. That would be one thing. And then I also have a huge village around me. And I don't mean the village in, you know, in terms of the village that I live in, which is actually very small. <laughs> but my mom lives across the street and she came over this morning to help me. You know, she took over by getting the kids ready this morning. And my husband makes dinner. He's a chef by trade and he oh, makes dinner yeah, every night. So I have a massive, figuratively, village around me to support me in doing what I love to do. And mm. and I think if I really didn't like it, it would be a lot harder to to find those people to help me. Because when, when you don't aren't happy, it kind of translates to everyone around you, right? But I'm truly, truly happy and love what I do. Love the opportunities I get to take on. And so I think that translates into the people that are around me that want to support me, help me grow and, and be successful. Oh, wonderful. And I, yeah, it's so wonderful to hear, you know, if you're in a good place, it reflects, you know, but that I think comes with your natural curiosity and you find, you make it work, right? So you... that's true. That's true. Uh, even when things get boring, as yeah. they sometimes do, yeah. Um, when you're doing the same thing over and over again, I'm always looking for that something new, trying to expand my, my understanding of the business, understanding of what's going on, the things that I can connect what I'm doing with too, so that I can grow the impact of my team, grow the business impact of my team, all of those kinds of things. Brilliant. Oh, you fascinate me, Kirsten. Thank you so <laughs> much for joining me on today's show. Oh, thank you so much. I've learned so much. I've got loads of notes here. Pinot Grigio. So whenever I see you next, we're going <laughs> to... We'll definitely have a glass of that. So brilliant. Well, thanks for joining me and good to see you and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Campfire Chat podcast. Be sure to visit tribalimpact.com to join us on social media, access the show notes and discover content that relates to today's conversation. See you at the next episode.